I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. And we're back, folks. Another episode of Resource Real Talk about Louisville real estate. I am your host, Jay Pitts, broker owner at Remax Premier Properties. Um, you know, it's a dreary day here in Louisville. Wednesday, December sixteenth, coming up, uh, coming up on the holiday season, of course. And just to give you a quick point of order, we will. Um, not be having a resource episode on the 23rd. We're going to take off for the Christmas holiday. Uh, likely will return for the 30th. That is yet to be determined 100%. But if you're a member of our private Facebook group, as always, you can check the status of the episode there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're going to take a little time off and come back to you, you know, raring, refreshed, ready to go for the new year. Uh, got lots in store. A couple of things, just again, as a point of order, going to be really, really excited to bring you a couple of new offerings in the new year. Um, something that we've been kind of keeping close to the vest for a little while. Um, you know, I, I shouldn't, shouldn't give too many details, but just to give you an idea of what we're working on, we're working on a new segment that will fall under the resource podcast offering called JTP University, as you know. Uh, my team name is JT Pitts and Associates. So JTP University or JTPU, we're going to be coming to you with a variety of shorter form video audio episodes, specific and tactical um, to top kind of topic driven and more more from a from a from a training standpoint. Okay, small short form particular topic-based kind of episodes that you can consume that will be, you know, a couple of times a week, potentially. Uh, you can watch both video or audio. Really excited about that, as well as a daily 60-second market update. Now, it won't just be market, you know, this many homes sold, this many homes went pending, this many new listings, that we will have some components. We've kind of work to develop some indices that we're going to follow that give you the health of the Louisville real estate market. Um, but also just like things that we believe move the market, like housing starts, like, you know, new permits pulled, that kind of stuff. But you'll be able to access this daily and it'll be 60 seconds. Just basically just gives you where is the market today and you'll be able to find it anywhere you podcast and and under the resource umbrella. So excited, wanted to get that out of the way and touch base with you on that as well as the schedule going forward. Again, not 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 entirely decided whether we'll be with, with you for an episode on the 30th, but think that that will probably be the case, but definitely off for the 23rd. And that brings me to today's topic. Uh, it kind of plugs in to where we are as a overall economy. And as you know, you know, real estate investing is near and dear to my heart. It has been a big part of my real estate career. It has been something that I have placed a ton of emphasis on throughout my entire life, frankly, because I'm the son of a real estate investor, a small town, as you would hear me say in the past, a small town real estate person does it all. 
and investing is something I started ha- having like a great amount of exposure to at a very young age. Uh, my father owned apartments, he flipped houses, he built houses, developed subdivisions, all those things. So investment real estate is a big, big part of my life. Uh, I own rental property and I'm going to talk to you just about some kind of theoretical kind of overarching, um, overarching ideas that you should be considering as a real estate professional and a real estate investor. And then some, some kind of micro economic or specific conditions to right now, some timely circumstances and how you should react to those. So that's what we got in store for you today. All right. The first, I want you to understand that if you are a real estate investor, there's a couple of things that you should be mindful of. Okay. You know, real estate investment is owned for a couple of purposes. Um, it is an, obviously an investment vehicle, but real estate investments are designed to do a couple of things. Uh, number one, they can go up in value and create equity. Okay. Your net worth can be increased by increased value. Uh, in real estate, okay, your 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 real estate that you bought at a hundred thousand can be worth become worth two hundred thousand, and your net worth has then been increased by a hundred thousand. That's one very simple concept. Everybody understands that. Certainly, the ones out there that are flipping real estate that are adding value, etc. You understand that real estate value can be increased. Okay, whether it be by time. Uh, and the market increasing in value, or you actually investing money into it to create additional value, create, create equity. That's one. It can yield cash flow. Number two. So rental real estate is an investment that can be operated like a business with expenses and revenues. Those revenues, when they exceed expenses is known as positive cash flow. Wouldn't entirely call it profit because you know there's there's the promise of future expense but let's just call it positive cash flow. Positive cash flow is when on a monthly basis or a yearly basis depending on how uh, you're evaluating that investment your revenues exceed your expenses. Okay. Now, that income is taxable. It you know when you sell a piece of real estate and you actualize a gain or a capital gain, a certain tax is owed. When you retain, when you when you receive revenue that exceeds your expenses to operate, that positive cash flow, that you know revenue is taxable. Okay, um, I should say all your revenue is taxable, but you have you have corresponding um, corresponding write offs that that you can take against it. Now, I, I'm not a CPA. So I'm going to get into a little bit of accounting here, but I am not an accountant. So I highly recommend, as always, that you seek advice from a professional. But with respect, okay, to those first two, the third thing, the third purpose for owning real estate is a potential tax shelter, okay, a potential tax shelter to be able to manage, I won't say minimize, but I will say manage your tax liability. There are certain things attached, certain benefits, I should say, or one could say, attached to owning rent or rental or investment real estate that allows you to take advantage of some things within the tax code. Okay, now, one of those is depreciation. So, 
it's easy to understand depreciation very simply as let's say that very simply let's say that you buy a tent to go camping okay and that tent costs a hundred dollars okay maybe tents cost five i know there's a lot more expensive tents than that but let's just say you bought a cheap tent right you're going to pitch in the backyard and you and your kids are going to sleep outside and pretend you're camping you're going to you're going to do the, the, the COVID camping in your living room like I did with my kids in you know, April and May. So um, you buy that tent and you use that tent. Okay, The day you buy it, it's brand new. It has a certain value. We'll call that value $100. But every day that goes by and you continue to use that tent, it becomes more and more worn. Okay, The seams start popping. The threads come out. The, the sun you know, bleaches the covering, you know, and that tent is worth less and less. And if you jump on Facebook marketplace and you try to sell it, well, you're not going to get a hundred dollars for it after it's been used. You might get $80. Okay. That $80. Okay. Is a fraction of the hundred dollars. Okay. That you once got it's, it's 80%. It's lost 20% of its value. 20% of its value is a fifth, right? So, when you understand this process and you know a little while longer and it's worth 60 and then 40 and then 20 and then ultimately it's useful life and its value completely expires it goes to zero okay so that's what you call a straight line method of depreciation that says that a over time and after a certain amount of use in a straight line in a linear relationship from from 100% to 0% this product loses its value. Now, you could also call this an asset. Anything you purchase is an asset that has value. But a depreciable asset, okay, versus an appreciable asset, um, it loses value. Now, here's the interesting thing as it pertains to real estate. As we all know, real estate appreciates tents, boats, cars, um, you know, anything else you buy pretty much, I mean, unless it's like a rare stone or rare piece of art, very few appreciable assets out there. The majority of assets are depreciable. So the interesting thing about real estate, okay, because, you know, inherent to the American dream is homeownership, okay? So, in, so abilities to take advantage in terms of tax code have been afforded for owning real estate. Real estate is an appreciable asset, yet the tax code allows you to depreciate the asset. Doesn't make a lot of sense, right? This is a benefit to owning real estate. It's a very unique benefit. I don't know anything about owning collector's art, Seth, but I'm pretty sure the IRS doesn't let you depreciate your Picasso as it appreciates in value, okay? I'm pretty sure that's not the case. I'm pretty sure if you own gold bars that go up in value, the fact that you own those gold bars, you're not allowed to take a percentage of the value of the gold bar off on your taxes, on your income taxes every year. Pretty sure that's not the case. I'm pretty sure unique. this is a, this is a, a fact that is unique to real estate. So what I want you to understand is that you're depreciating your asset on a straight line. Okay, which basically roughly means that you can you can take off, you know, about four percent of the 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 real estate's value over the course of its life. 
uh, each year until you run out of depreciation. Okay, so real estate straight line depreciation. Um, you know, the tax codes, you know, may vary based on the type of property. But like I said, it's about a 25 year schedule. And therefore 4% per year for 25 years can be taken off and written off on your taxes. Now talk to your IRS. Okay, talk to your IRS or your your tax preparer to make sure that, you know, there's not something unique about your property that changes it. But but in your head, that's about what you can get. Um, I think the maximum is 50,000. I mean, there is and there is a salvage value because the land is worth something by comparison. So it's not like it's not like you get to take 150,000 that you paid and then use that number. There's some calculations going there. But but a benefit to owning real estate is this depreciation. If you mortgage the real estate, the interest you pay on the mortgage, which is the majority of what you pay up front in the beginning years of the the, the mortgage, that's how um, amortization works, okay? You pay the majority of that is interest. So in the beginning, in year one, you get to write off 4%. Okay, let's let's say it's a $100,000 property. That's a $4,000 deduction, roughly, that you get to take on your taxes against your income, okay? You get to take the interest paid. So let's say that's another $6,000, okay? You if you if you follow some things I've taught you in in episodes past of the roughly one percent method, let's say you have a hundred thousand dollar property that rents for a thousand dollars a month. That's twelve thousand dollars in annual revenue potential. Let's say you collect every bit of that, but let's say you spend you know a thousand bucks on maintenance throughout the year and work orders and repairmen and that kind of thing. Now you're down to 11, but you got $6,000 in interest that we just discussed and $4,000 in depreciation. You net a $1,000 taxable liability on owning that rental property. That is very, very, very affordable for an asset that probably just went up eight to 10% in value this year. So you saw a, an eight to $10,000 increase in value you generated enough income to manage the property plus some, plus some, you paid tax on a fraction of that, okay? And essentially you're getting to hold that asset for less than, less than, less than your expenses and it goes up in value over time. So these are the things that you need to understand. These are the overarching goals. Now, what about that situation requires some management, okay? You, you have to consider what to do over time. Eventually, you're going to run out of depreciation. That 25 years is going to be up, and then you're going to have to start recapturing that. That's too complex of a process to get into right now, and most of you are not dealing with it, and I wouldn't do a good, good enough job explaining it anyway, so talk to your CPA about that. Recapture is not a reason not to take the depreciation. I'm gonna, time value of money is the basis for that argument, but I'm not going to get into that now. It takes me to another overarching theme that you should understand as a real estate investor. And that is, over time, you should always upgrade your inventory. Always. So let's say you start off at a modest, you know, a modest portfolio of small, affordable rental houses um, that, that, you know, you could acquire one at a time with limited cash infusion out of pocket, et cetera, right? But then you amass a decent portfolio. Well, right now, it's a unique situation. For anybody that bought prior to probably 2012, 13, 14, and even honestly since then, you've seen an incredible amount of appreciation and your property is worth substantially more 
than it than it used to be. Okay, so with that equity, okay, you could take advantage of that equity by selling that property and then doing what's known as a 1031 tax deferred exchange. Again, something to discuss with your tax preparer, a CPA, an attorney, um, your team, right, of advisors. And you could take that and transfer that equity into purchasing a more expensive piece of property that rents for higher amount, okay, taking advantage of low interest. We're going to come back to this in a minute. Really low interest if you borrow more, okay, have better cash flow, have a more saleable asset that is worth more and you takes advantage of economies of scale and, and appreciation percentages to increase in value even more so you're creating more net worth by upgrading your inventory with the same set of circumstances. So if this is heavy and your head's spinning already, find me, talk to me, message me, grab me in the office, whatever you want to do. Okay, but you should always be looking to upgrade your inventory. Now, here we are about 15, 20 minutes into the episode and I've gotten through the basics, so I'm going to get into the specifics on why now is the absolute best time to buy rental real estate or upgrade your inventory in recent memory regardless of the fact that prices are escalated. Okay? Now, even me and some of you listening that are in my office say, but Jay, you're too cheap. You don't buy anything. You always want to undervalue. You always want to cut the price. My seller had this house. It's a great deal, but you wanted to pay 20000 less than what I had it listed at. Get the best deal you can get, okay? And you don't know until you ask, okay? This, this, this obviously is a discussion separate from your agency obligations to your client. Please do not try to negotiate with your own clients, okay? You got to understand where there's a conflict of interest and there exists one there. But if you're trying to buy a piece of rental real estate, get the best deal you can. But let me, let's talk more specifically about why right now is an incredible time to buy or upgrade. Okay. So we're in December of 2020, December 16th. This year, I'm going to breathlessly, you know, cite the word that everybody else has, has been unprecedented. And it absolutely has. So the CARES Act was passed earlier in the year. Economic stimulus was very much needed. It helped us um, achieve what I think little would dis- few would dispute now has been a sharp V-shaped recovery in the economy. I mean, if you need any sort of proof to that, pull your Apple Stocks app up on your phone and search any of your favorite companies and look at the shape of the one-year curve in their stock price. I mean, it is like this in April and this till now. Everything is V-shaped, okay? That is what our economy has done. And it was absolutely as a result of economic stimulus. Um, It may not have occurred without it, okay? Now, we're on the precipice. No, well, let's, let's talk something else. What backs the United States economy? What backs the U.S. economy? Okay, well, it used to be precious metals, okay, gold, etc. Okay, right now, there's nothing. There is no backing to the U.S. dollar. 
Okay, we are not an economy backed in hard assets, appreciable assets like gold bars, like we talked about a little bit earlier. Okay, our economy, our our dollar, our dollar's value is simply worth what someone thinks it's worth. And a universal truth to an economy that is not backed by hard assets is the fact that when you print money, okay, and inject it into the economy, you increase the circulation of money, that circ- that the, the individual unit of money, the unit of value becomes worth less. Simple supply and demand. When more dollars exist, dollars are worth less. Very, very simple. Okay? This is not a zero-sum game. Right? So... What I need you to understand is we just printed $2.2 trillion that as of February of 2020, we did not know we needed. To put that in perspective, I mean, th- that is larger than the gross domestic product of pretty much any other, any other nation on the planet, save maybe China and India. I could probably Google it, but I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to make the point here and say that we essentially printed the amount of money that would operate all but three countries for a year's time on the planet. I don't know that any any GDPs are greater than that. Okay, so this means we are in an inflationary environment. Now, the Federal Reserve right now is sitting somewhere, probably at a table, trying to decide how to counterbalance the inflation problem. Meanwhile, Congress is talking about passing a second round known as the HEROES Act, which is more than the first set of stimulus. They're trying to decide whether student loan debt should be forgiven. They're trying to determine a lot of other things that are going to happen. Okay, but but it's quite certain to me that inflationary practices will continue for the foreseeable future. Okay. The dollar will become worth less. Now what happens when the dollar is worth less? That means the dollars that you have in your pocket, in your wallet, the dollar bills in your wallet, the dollar bills sitting in your bank account and a depository account, the dollars that you have in, um, sitting on the sideline that are not invested become worth less. Okay, you, you, could, you could apply it to the McDonald's hamburger test, right? How many hamburgers can you buy with $1? Well, you used to be able to buy 10 hamburgers with $10, with, with $1. Now you can, can't even buy one, okay? So tomorrow you're going to need $2 to buy a hamburger or $4 or $6 to buy a hamburger. The value of a dollar is going to become worth less. The more money we print, okay, the more debt our nation goes in, the, those dollars in your pocket are going to become worth less. Now, take a step back from that, and now let's think about what can you borrow money at today? And what what is fixed typically when you borrow money? The interest rate, right? Especially on real estate. Okay, at least for a period of time. So let's say you borrow money today at 2.75% on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. You could technically take that loan to term 30 years later in 2050, still paying 2.75%. What's the likelihood, Seth, that interest rates are going to be higher in 2050 than they are in 2020? 
Pretty highly likely, right? He's nodding his head. I think he doesn't know what to think when I ask him questions and he doesn't have a mic in front of him. Anyway, um, chances are interest rates are going up, right? I know we've been saying it, but how do they get much lower? Um, consequently, I did hear yesterday that certain European, Western European countries have rates below 1% right now. <laughs> so I don't know if that's something, a reality that we'll ever see. But chances are 2.75% is about as low as it gets. Okay. Now, what happens if inflation happens, your dollars tomorrow are worth more or less than they are today? They're worth less. But you're paying out over time. And the amount you're paying back is fixed. So you're borrowing valuable money today, paying back with less valuable dollars to acquire assets that go up in value. I hope you're listening, and I hope this is setting in on you. You're going to borrow valuable dollars, repay with less valuable dollars for assets that are worth less today than they will be tomorrow. That sounds like a win-win to me. So... That, that leads me to what should your actions be? If you own $100,000 houses, you should sell them and trade up for two hundred. If you own nothing, you should buy $100,000 houses or $500,000 houses. I don't know. But hard assets go up in inflationary environments. So you're going to pay, you're going to buy, borrow expensive dollars Repay with cheap dollars for assets worth less than they will be tomorrow when you're repaying with cheaper dollars. Somebody please follow me here. Okay? There's never been more optimal financial conditions to buy real estate than today. And for those of you that are saying, but Jay, I mean... I just can't get past the fact that I used to pay 50 for these ha- 50k for these houses and now they're 100. Or I used to pay 150 for this for this duplex and now it's 300. It's never going to change, guys. 2009's never coming back. You either get in the game or be jealous for those later on for those that did. Very simple lesson for today. Kind of short episode. That's about all I've got. I can't illustrate that point with any better veracity borrow expensive money at low rates okay pay back with cheaper dollars to purchase assets that are worth less today than they will be tomorrow it's a double dip okay i hope putting this in plain english helps you understand, if you don't already, the value to get into real estate investing. I hope I've already made the point that you are a much more formidable real estate practitioner if you invest in real estate than if you don't. You're tying one arm behind your back trying to be a credible real estate professional if you don't own real estate yourself. First things first, buy your own primary residence. Second, Invest in real estate. Flip if you don't have cash to raise money to buy rentals. Hold your rentals and upgrade them over time. I'm not going to repeat it. That's about all I got for today. Anyway, shameless plug of the episode. Uh, If you have or if you haven't already, I would still like to ask. Pretty please. Five-star review. We don't like four stars. We only like five. I guess I'll take it if I can get it. 
even if it is a four star. But no, if you appreciate the content in all seriousness that we put out, um, there is some work that goes behind this and, and it's something that we love doing, but uh, we like some positive feedback from here and there. So so five-star review on iTunes specifically or anywhere you podcast from, um, I really would appreciate it. As always, you can you know, contact me any way you might be able to. You've got my cell or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram, DM me, shoot me an email. I'm not hard to find, okay? More than happy to discuss any of the things we talk about on the podcast on a one-to-one. If you're here in the office, just grab me in the hallway, um, talk about these things. These are, these are really important things. Really important things for you to know, understand, internalize. Now is the best time in, in terms of economic conditions to buy or upgrade. You should always be upgrading, but now especially. Do or do not at your own peril. As, as always, we appreciate you tuning in every week. We'll be back probably on the 30th. Probably. Definitely not on the 23rd. Um, for those of you out there, I, I wish you uh, an amazing holiday season with loved ones. Hopefully you're safe and comfortable. Um, looking forward to an exciting year in 2021. we got a lot in store for you. And uh, new, new offerings coming soon. Thank you once again. I'm Jay Pitts, the host of Real Estate or Resource Real Talk about Louisville Real Estate. We'll see you soon.